When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Brown's mini camp is done, but what did it look like behind the scenes? We'll dive into that and some fantasy football impacts as well. Coming up right now on the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. Turn up your volume. Your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara, the sickest Cleveland Browns podcast. Cut back by Chubb. He's to the 10. He's still running to the 5. He dips outside left. He's going in. Touchdown. What a run. Nick Chubb. It's going to be sick. Hey, everybody. Andy McNamara with you. Yes, Cleveland Browns minicamp. It's done. That means we're one step closer to training camp, and that means one step closer to the season. So we'll get into all that in just a few minutes. Also, Dalvin Cook, of course, getting released by the Vikings. What's the fantasy football follow-up from that? We'll get to all that a little bit later on in the show. But a gentleman, friend of show, he's back, and he was at Browns minicamp and OTAs in person, not just this year, but in previous years. So we'll get a comparison as we bring in our buddy from ESPN Cleveland, Matt Fontana, to help really break it down. We've seen the videos and, you know, we've seen some highlights, but those are just snippets from the team, right? So how does it look when we actually talk to somebody who was there in person? So let's bring in Matt and say hello. How's it going, buddy? Good, Andy. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely, man. Hey, and you know what? You and Tony Grossi do such a great job uh, covering on the landondemand.com and 850 ESPN Cleveland that I wanted to get get you back on because there's one thing to see the highlights and Deshaun Watson lobbing those gorgeous bombs and those little snippets, but there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes, little things, right? Like how are guys carrying themselves? Is someone tired and who's positioned with who? So just from your standpoint, if we could compare it year over year, because we know, boy, this time last year, a lot, lot darker and negative of a place for Browns fans. What's kind of just the feel in minicamp year over year? Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right there. It's a lot different just knowing that Deshaun Watson's going to be playing in week one, that they're not waiting for this ruling to, you know, talk to Coach Stefanski to talk to Deshaun about just football. And the questions don't have to be about what he's planning to do with Jacoby Brissett and then how you're going to turn it over and then talk to Watson and ask him about uh, how much time he thinks he might get off. So it was very football driven, which is obviously what you want it to be. You know, on the field, Andy, it's been a lot different over the years. It's just the NFLPA has, has gotten more involved on on what the offseason looks like for each of these teams. We know a lot of the OTAs are – well, the OTAs are voluntary. The minicamp is, is mandatory, and the Browns, according to Coach, had all 90 guys here for uh, the three days of minicamp. Not all of them were on the field. Some were, you know, rehabbing injuries. Other guys working inside, but they had attendance for that. I thought they had really good attendance – 
you know, for the OTAs being uh, voluntary. I think the biggest ones a lot of people talk about, Miles Garrett, Betonio, Nick Chubb, David Njoku weren't there. But I, I don't – I never got a sense of alarm from the team. And I know people want to try to read into, oh, you didn't have this guy here or that. I, I don't really buy it. Those guys are still working. They all looked in great shape too, by the way, just seeing them. So I don't think they were sitting at home on their couch doing nothing. But uh, on the field, it's just different because they're not in pads. The PA's got rules. You can't hit heads. You can't have shoulder contact. You're really not supposed to go to the ground. Um, so it's it's tough, I know, for the linemen. Coach mentioned that. Like I talked to Dalvin Tomlinson uh, this week, and he admitted it's super hard for a D lineman uh, to really kind of work here because it is all physicality. And you can't get that. So even in seven on sevens, they snap the ball. Guys kind of like stand up and take a step and then they stop. Right. You know, receivers go out, the, the tight ends go out, but the line really isn't doing much. So that's probably the biggest thing, um, you know, for me is just watching over the years of how this has just kind of been, I want to say slowed down because they're seven on sevens, the most competitive period that they have, because that is the time that they can go to the closest of full go. Right. Uh, there's no contact with the line and all that, but you know, it's just a little different. And as long as you take that for the grain of salt that it is, um, I thought Watson looked really crisp. I thought he looked really on target with with a lot of his passes. The deep passes are apparent uh, in this offense. The motion is something that I was really keeping my eye on. I think there could be a lot more motion with Elijah Moore, some of the other receivers motioning them to the backfield. You know, Stefanski likes his motion, and it's it's all about seeing how the defense, it gives you that read. Are they following this guy? Are they trailing? kind of maybe what coverage are they going to be in here? So I expect to see a little bit more motion this year. And then Watson moving too. I know it's just seven on seven, but uh, they get him out of the pocket a lot. And, you know, scramble drills or something, they're going to have to really be focused on. In conversation with Matt Fontana from ESPN Cleveland, host of ESPN Cleveland tonight on landondemand.com. So Matt, let's let's go there with Deshaun Watson. And again, this co- kind of goes beyond just seeing the video clips on social media. How's he carrying himself? Because there was last year the word of, okay, well, you know, he was trying to be as upbeat as possible, but obviously a lot weighing on him, his own fault, but a lot weighing on him. Does he seem free or happy, like engaged? He talks so much about how um, he's working with Stefanski and building the offense. And it, at least from what I can see, seems really, truly engaged. Yeah, I mean, he told us this week that he, Stefanski, and Van Pelt talk every day about what he likes about the offense or what things they can add. He said that room is very unselfish. Nobody's stubborn. Uh, and I thought he, he dropped an interesting line of nobody's insecure in there where they're being like, hey, this is the play I want to run or this is what I think. So uh, if it's not my idea, it's a bad idea. Like that's not what's going on, which is great. I think for Deshaun, he spoke a little bit about it of just, yeah, being able to, to be comfortable of just talking football. Like I'm sure that's got to be, you know, weight off his shoulders, as you said, you know, self-inflicted with what happened last year and, the suspension that he served. And I know there's still a couple outstanding things uh, on the legal side of it, but you know, his answers are to those. And there were a couple questions just, you got to talk to my legal team. So I think there's probably that relief a little bit and that comfortability to say, I can just focus on football and to know that he's going to play week one, like he, that yeah. he doesn't have to wonder about how many games he's going to be suspended, uh, that he can really gear up his off season normally, you know, because last time it was how much is he going to play in the preseason how much does he need to get in before he goes on his break? Now he can say, hey, these are the things I need to do in minicamp and OTAs now into the summer break. And then when we get to training camp, these are the things that I have to do to get ready for the season. So I think there's there's definitely a, a relief there. And I, I would say a little calmness from him just being able to focus on football. Right. And learning, again, essentially, 
in large part, Matt, a, a new new offense because it is mm-hmm. a collaboration. What he wants to do, and and that that passion kind of comes out. I want to put my fantasy football hat on for a moment with you here, because fantasy footballers, the owners, what do they want to know? The volume, right? So. Who do you think is going to be Deshaun Watson's guy? Immediately, Amari Cooper jumps to mind. But you mentioned Elijah Moore in motion more. Boy, he looks good, man. I'm hooked. I'm I'm biting. There's a little there. There's a little something there, I think, with Watson. And it's tough because uh, now Watson didn't play the whole year, we know, and didn't have all the practice and stuff. But I think it's you get a new player, an electric player like Elijah Moore. You want to throw in the football. You want to kind of to get that, bank those reps and, and to get it. So I would say... You know, he throws a lot to Elijah Moore. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm probably Amari Cooper. Um, you kind of wonder about Donovan Peoples-Jones because when Elijah Moore got added, I think a lot of people in the fantasy world would ask, okay, whose targets is he going to take? Because right. there is so many to go around. I would think maybe that some of those might be the sacrifice of Donovan Peoples-Jones. Uh, Amari Cooper went healthy, and he talked about this, and, and I think people – know about that core injury but I don't know if they know exactly how debilitating it really was for him last year and how hard it was for him to finish the year out with it so now that he's back to health he said God willing he's going to be good to go for training camp so starting the year healthy I don't know if you're going to really take targets away from Cooper so the answer would be probably Donovan Peoples-Jones um David Njoku might be the one to get the bump too like I, Hmm. I think the red zone targets there's just so many comparisons to be made about elite quarterbacks that have elite tight ends. And Njoku has made comments and we talked to him about this week about the Mahomes to Kelsey and trying to get to that. Right. Cause that's the pinnacle, right? You, you talk about yeah. the pinnacle of the quarterback tight end right now. It's Mahomes and Kelsey. And I mean, that's a lofty bar, but I think that's something they're going to try to get to. Uh, Njoku's got the skill. He's paid like a top tight end. Watson's got the skill. He's paid like a top quarterback. So I would say of anybody, probably Elijah Moore, David Njoku would be the two that I would look at to probably boost their numbers the most uh, playing in the system with Watson. Boy, and for how thin in fantasy football tight ends are, Matt, boy. And joke, please. (laughs) It's Kelsey and nobody else. That's it, right? So, you know, you have Jordan Aikens floating around, but that seems more like a complimentary piece. Now, the other question, of course, is, all right, and people, you know, us Browns fans, we we love us some running backs, Matt. So there's Nick Chubb, the beloved Nick Chubb. I kind of get the feeling that even though this is going to be more pass heavy, obviously, maybe a fresher Nick Chubb, almost in the same conversation that we talked about with Miles Garrett, not being on the field as much, but can be fresher and therefore more impactful throughout a game. Is that the vibe you're getting or, or what should we be thinking about the usage of Nick Chubb? I mean, Coach Stefanski has said that it, it's still going to be a priority, that they're still going to get him the football when they can. But we just know, Andy, that games are going to go differently, right? There's going to be games that... Uh, you're going to have to throw or it's going to be a, a, a shootout. I think the the goal for probably a lot of Browns fans would be that they get leads and then can kind of salt that away with Nick Chubb. And that's where right. he can rack up some of his yardage. Uh, I still think thousand yards is the minimum, you know, for, for Chubb and, and the over under is higher than that. Um, so I would imagine that he's going to at least get that and not having Kareem Hunt. I asked Stump Mitchell about that yesterday. And I said, does this offense look any different without Kareem? And he said, no. He hmm. said it's going to be, you know, we're going to run what we're going to run. Uh, coach is going to put us in the best position. But I think it's more of they tried that two-back look because that's what they had. And they needed to use it, right? Now, yeah. you don't have to use it as much. Obviously, Hunt's not here. I think an expanded role certainly for Jerome Ford. But it's still going to be Nick Chubb as your number one back. And the thing about Chubb is he doesn't miss a lot of games and he doesn't miss a lot of practice. So you assume that he's going to be able to be healthy for most of the year. 
uh, and get those carries. So I would say, I think last year, somebody told me he averaged like 17 carries a game. Hmm. So 15, you know, and I was, oh, two carries or something like that. Yeah. But in, in the grand scheme of it, you might say, oh, that's low for a franchise back or one of the best backs in football. But I think it'll be somewhere around that, that number this year. Right. And like you said, depends on the game. You get up big. Sure. Bad weather. Hopefully, you know, we like we look at that New Orleans game yeah. a year ago and Stefanski didn't do that. But it seems like the whole franchise, Matt, has taken under the urgency side of, OK, we can be stubborn and get fired or we can adjust and hopefully have this work out like with Andrew Barry and that defensive line. Like, my goodness, what what a shift. And maybe we're seeing that with Stefanski as well. And to go with that, that on the Chubb side, you know, you, you mentioned Elijah Moore in the backfield, that type, man, I know it's, you know, he's year, year three and he hasn't done technically that much in the league, but does, does he not give you sort of that gadget vibe as well? Like we could put him outside, inside backfield. Like I'm not comparing him to Tyreek Hill, obviously, because he hasn't done it, but that same type of thing where you can say, this guy's a weapon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, Chad O'Shea said yesterday that they train Elijah at all the receivers positions. So Hmm. every single one across the board he's doing, and uh, Chad O'Shea actually really commented on Elijah Moore's mental side of it because, yes, physically he can go do that. Certainly he's a little smaller, clearly saw right. the outside. It's a little bit different. But he said the biggest thing is the mental side of it where Elijah lines up at any of those positions and knows the route, knows what he needs to do, the play call, all of that. So to it's one thing to have a guy that you want to say, okay, we want him to play all five positions. But if he isn't up to speed with everything, or if he's not exactly what you need him to be on all of them, it's not going to work. And it doesn't sound like that's going to be a problem with Elijah Moore. So yeah, I expect him to be all over the field. I expect him to be doing a lot of different things uh, in this offense. And yeah, gadget. I mean, I think the thing is you have Marquise Goodwin too. Yeah. um, That brings that speed element. That could be some of those gadget ones. I think the one that, you know, might be unfortunate for, for a player is Jakeem Grant because some people thought he might be able to do some of that on offense. And obviously with the new kickoff rules, like he's going to really have to fight to make this roster coming off, uh, you know, of course, a pretty bad injury at the Achilles. But yeah, I think Elijah Moore is a guy I I see in motion a lot. I see him moving pre-snap quite a little bit. Uh, So yeah, some jet sweeps or just getting him out in in the route tree uh, out of the backfield might be something that we see a little bit more of. In conversation with Matt Fontana from ESPN Cleveland. Now, Matt, you mentioned Marquise Goodwin, and that brings me to, some maybe underrated or, or, or under the radar type of players. Cause certainly Marquise Goodwin, at least to me was like, okay, that's a nice depth piece. All right. No pads, yada, yada. We, you know, practice, et cetera, et cetera. Damn Matt, that mm-hmm. dude can go. He's faster than all the corners. He's catching these bombs. You can include him or others because defensive side, I'm thinking of, um, you know, maybe, maybe Oboe, maybe uh, Kanashik on uh, linebacker. He's Jim Schwartz wore his Jersey. Like, give me a couple underrated guys that you being there at minicamp at OTAs that you see and, and maybe stand out to you a little bit. Yeah, certainly Marquise Goodwin. I mean, he just brings that speed. Like, you're not kidding, Andy, at 31 years old. I think he's 31 wow. or he'll be 32. Like, he is the fastest guy on the field. There's no doubt about that. It's insane to see he's running past guys. Um, I think Cedric Tillman. I mean, just that body size. Like, I think they are very Love intrigued him. by his size. And you don't want to overload a rookie. And there's certainly that kind of, you know, rookie wall that everybody talks about that they'll hit. But, yeah, he's going to come into this as the fourth or fifth wide receiver. So he'll get reps. They'll see him out there. But his body, I mean, his size is something that you just notice right away uh, on the offense. You mentioned Jordan Akins. I want to see a little more uh, out of him. Uh, People 
you know, I've looked at the years that he had down in Houston. He certainly had a great, you know, second half of the season, but um, that's one I might temper just a little bit, you know, we'll mm. see defensively, you know, MJ Emerson is going to push Greg Newsom for that starting job. Like I yeah. feel pretty confident in that that rotation we'll have to see. I think that three safety look with Rodney McLeod is something that we will get. Juan Thornhill and Grant Elpert are your starters. Uh, we talked to a free Banda. He's the safeties coach. And he said he loves having Rodney because he calls him Coach Rodney. Hmm. And he said to have a guy that's been in Jim Schwartz's system before to not only help the players, but a free Banda, who's the coach, even admitted, like, he even helps me. He helps me kind of understand some of the things that Jim Schwartz is looking for. So he's under the radar as far as I think they're going to run that three safety look like he's going to make this team. No question about it. Uh, and how much we'll see that will remain. You know, you bring up Obo Okoronkwo and that's an interesting one because he came here, he signed here and he goes, great. I'm a starting defensive end. Oh, wait, they go trade for Gary <laughs> Smith. And yeah. that's kind of something that could take somebody aback a little bit. And Coach Stefanski was asked straight up this week, like, do you have to have a conversation with a guy about mm. that? And he said, yeah, we talked about it, but understanding that this is all about competition. This is all about improving our football team, which they did clearly with Zadarius Smith. And there will be that role for Oboe. I, we're going to see this a lot. And I, I tell everybody about this. They're going to rotate that D-line a lot. Coach Schwartz has one thing. When his D-linemen are in there, you are going 100%. And when you can't, you come out, you get your breather, and we'll put somebody else in there that's going to go 100%. Uh, the staff count for miles last year uh, was over, I believe, over 70%. Yeah, I think 80%. Uh, of, maybe even points. 80% yeah. uh, of the defensive snaps he played. Because the question was actually right. Because the question was, do you want to see him? We asked Ben Bloom about, do you want to maybe see miles more around 70% of the snaps? And he kind of said, yeah, that's probably a number that we're looking for a little bit. Uh, so that's maybe where Oboe will get some snaps too. And, okay. and there will be, you know, they call them sometimes the NASCAR package. You're going to see Zadarius Smith, Oboe Okoronkwo, and Miles Garrett on the field together. Miles or Zadarius going inside uh, to rush up the middle. And then, you know, mix in your Dalvin Tomlinson or, or mix in another D tackle uh, to, to get that push. But you're going to see those guys on the field at the same time. So, yeah, I think Oboe certainly, you know, the linebacking core, Kanashik's in there right now just because Anthony Walker and Sione Takitaki aren't cleared yet coming off their yeah. injuries. Walker's probably going to be ahead of talk just because his injury was so late in the year. Uh, we see both those guys, they work off on the side, um, you know, we'll remain to be seen kind of how much they do in training camp or where they're at. So yeah, right now, Kanashik's are starting with a linebacker. Like he, he's it. Um, I think Jordan, uh, uh, Jacob Phillips, excuse me, will probably push for a little bit of time too, uh, maybe in that Mike role. Uh, and then Jeremiah Wusikormo is an interesting one because I think they want him to put on a little bit of weight. Um, as it's gone on, that's always been something since they drafted him. Like, what's that perfect weight for him to play at? And he's in, unfortunately ended his first two seasons on IR each of the first two years. So uh, to get him healthy and then try to, you know, Jason Tarvin, linebackers coach, said we want to put a little weight on him over this break. Good weight um, yeah, because he needs to be just a little bit bigger, a little stronger to kind of shed some of those blocks. So, yeah, I mean, the linebacking core is a very interesting one just because they have a lot of guys but I'm not really sure they have like somebody who stands above the rest. So that'll be another position. I think that rotates a lot just right. based on passing versus running downs. Yeah. It's gotta be Matt. I think one of the biggest improvements is it's, you gotta have sure tackling like last yeah. couple of years. How many times have we just seen guys just missing time? That's not going to fly under Jim Schwartz. I don't know about you. Do you just feel like more confident? Like as a fan and observing this team, like with Jim Schwartz in there with Joe Woods, it was always, 
I always found myself going, well, if, and I hope, and if you have too many ifs and hopes, nothing happens. With Schwartz, it's like, this guy's won a Super Bowl. He's been a head coach. He's done it everywhere. I feel confident that he's just going to get it right and get the best out of everybody. So that's, again, talking to the players, Dalvin Tomlinson said this is the most simple yet aggressive defense he's ever been in. Fantastic. And Rodney McLeod of Jim Schwartz, he said, he will demand the best out of you. Now he cares. He said, of all the coaches I've had, he's one of the top as far as caring about the players as people mm-hmm. and getting to know them on a personal level. But he goes, he will demand the best out of you. And we certainly hear Jim out there. He's, he's loud and, and, and he's not afraid to, to get up on his guys because he knows what he wants to see. And the clock is ticking to get this system installed. There's a brand new system for a lot of these players, uh, brand new to the coaching staff. Uh, there's a lot that, that he needs to be able to install. But I think the simplicity of it where, you know, last year and Denzel Ward even kind of made the comparison of like last year, it was a lot of, you know, OK, this play is called the snap and then you're you're reading what this guy's doing and then you're doing this and that. He said in this defense before the snap, you have one job and that's it. Do your job. That's it. it. Your job is to either cover this guy, you're in this zone. So he said it's really kind of hard to have miscommunication because you know exactly what you're supposed to do before the snap. Uh, I don't – I mean, I'm assuming that's just what Jim Schwartz does. I don't think that's something that they read into last year of all the miscommunication and said these are the changes we have to do. I think this is probably what Schwartz's system is. But for fans that were concerned about that miscommunication, it sounds like that's not going to be a problem because it's almost built that there won't be any. Yeah. 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 You're kind of foolproof in it yourself, just keeping it nice and simple, but aggressive, which is important. All right, Matt, last one for you here. Not going to hold you to it, but going in to the the summer win loss prediction. What do we got? What are we feeling? I, I'm, I'm kind of, I think the Vegas odds, what are they at? About nine? Yeah. Nine I've, and seen, a half? I've seen eight and a half, nine and a half or nine, nine and a half around there. Um, They got to win double digits, I think. Definitely. And then you kind of sort out where the playoffs land for there, but I feel pretty confident in that 10-11 win, so I'll stay positive and say 11-6. and six. Um, I always say there's a game they're going to win that they're not supposed to, and there's a game they're going to lose that they're not supposed yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, so as you play, everybody plays the schedule game, and you, you circle a lot of the big division games, certainly. Uh, you talk about some of the out-of-conference games with San Francisco, which is going to be massive. Um, then I start looking at some games that you're like, okay, that's a win, right? Like, oh, yeah, there's no way they're going to lose. Well, there might be one of those uh, that you kind of stub your toe on a little bit. I mean, it happens to the best. Like, even the Chiefs lose a game sure. or two that you're just like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, yeah. So that'll happen. So I'm going to say probably anywhere in that range, 10 and 7 to 11 and 6. And I'll stay positive and say 11 and 6 right now. 11 and 6, let's do I hope they win that week three. I'm heading down for the Titans game. I, I kind of look at the right. schedule. It's like, yeah, that's a winnable one. So I'm hoping they don't that sign That might be that one we were just talking about, right? Like, oh, yeah, no. Like, oh, man, that's 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 the one. But uh, I agree with you. That should be a win. And I, I think this team is kind of off of what they've seen, even as a collective, you know, watching some of the games that they have lost. In, obviously, the Jets game is probably the one that, that comes to mind for a lot of people last year. Uh, I think they, that was probably a really good learning experience. Like, Hey, we can't, we can't take these games for granted. These are teams that we should be beating. Uh, and knowing that with how competitive your division is going to be with how competitive the AFC is going to be, uh, you can't waste any game. You really can't. No. And it all starts in September with the Bengals. Matt, tell people where they can find you, hear you, watch you all that. Yeah, 5 to 7 every night on 850 ESPN Cleveland with ECT. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter, at MattFontaine83. I have a new IG that I launched this year for uh, the professional side, so it's at MattFontaneESPN on IG is probably the best ways to connect. 
Awesome, buddy. Well, thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, I appreciate you having me back out. All right, there he goes, Matt Fontana. As you heard from ESPN Cleveland, make sure you give him a follow. Does great work, uh, as well as with the Daily Grossy podcast. He does daily with Tony Grossy, friend of show as well. So great comments there. And that's what I really wanted to get into with Matt. Of okay, again, we're seeing the video highlights, but how are people carrying themselves? You know, when the cameras are off. I was at a Browns training camp in 2019, and it does go a long way because you can tell as somebody after a play, are they shuffling back to the huddle? Are they hustling? Are they low? You know, there's. Is someone yelling at somebody? You get to see those things. So I'm glad we had Matt on to be able to go over that. And speaking of the betting side, folks, hey, check below. You got a, we got a couple betting partners there. If you're in Ohio, if you're across the USA, wherever you're watching, uh, you can click right there and make your bets. Great bonus signups. And you're taking care of get ready for the NFL season. And in the meantime, you know, baseball, basketball, whatever the heck you're, you want to watch. So check those out below as well as our sweet merchandise shop as well. We'll get some new stuff up before the start of the season. Now, some fantasy football side. We talked to Matt a little bit uh, there about who could be the favorite of Deshaun Watson. And I'd still rank Amari Cooper the highest, but the more and more I think about it, man, we got to be having Elijah Moore. Uh, there's got to be some shares on our team. I'm going to go out of my way, and I think we can get him pretty late when you draft him. I want to get Elijah Moore. I want to sit him on the bench. I want to see how things develop. Because if he starts developing, and I'll use, again, I'll use Tyreek Hill, but not as the, he's Tyreek Hill now. But in a way where you're having him on the field, you're having him do end arounds, you're throwing him deep, you're having him in the slot. If he can be that weapon, that could be a really great value late fantasy football pickup. The problem could be that he spreads the ball too much around and it's not Amari Cooper, it's not anybody. And then everybody sort of falls into a WR3, WR2 category. So remains to be seen. Um, I think Nick Chubb's still going to finish top 12. Just depends where you want to draft him. I would... If I'm looking at where things go, probably look to draft Chubb in a 12-team league end of the turn in the 10 to 12 range, depending who goes, especially if wide receivers go early. And we've talked about running back. Dalvin Cook, the number two fantasy football running back in 2020. Released. Gone. It just keeps amazing me that like guys like Todd Gurley, Melvin Gore, just gone, who were superstars not that long ago. Ezekiel Elliott's still on the market. Our guy Kareem Hunt's still on the market. So when you look at Dalvin Cook, he's gone down each since 2020, each of the last couple of years. Now, had his healthiest season in a long time last year, played 17 games. Yards per run, or yards per carry went down to 4.4, still fantastic, but it was up to 4.7 the year before. So we're seeing an age 28 dropping. The problem with Cook, Depends on landing spot. But guys, I just don't see that many landing spots for him. Right? Like, it, now, if we're looking at um, just real quick Minnesota and what that means coming out, this is going to be very interesting because now Alexander Madison, who has been a handcuff seemingly forever at 24 years old, you have him, Ty Chandler behind him, and Dwayne McBride. So Alexander Madison, when given the chance, has been a star, but a lot different to come in in relief for a game or two than to be the guy, to be the guy that teams are preparing for as well. So Madison will be, that'll be interesting to see where he goes and what he does. I certainly want to have a piece of him. I just wonder if we'll see more of a committee. Um, Chandler's uh, Ty Chandler's entering year two. How much does he get worked in? That's going to be something to track. 
But when you look at other teams, other possible landing spots for Dalvin Cook and what it means to the fantasy football side, I'm here in the Miami Dolphins. You know, again, that doesn't really excite me. Pass heavy team. And the most of all, that dreaded word, committee. Committee. They're all committees. Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., Miles Gaskin. So if you put Dalvin Cook in there, Dalvin Cook's the best running back out of that crew. But how often does he get used? Is it enough? Right? If you go to Buffalo, that, that'd be fun, you know, going with his brother, James Cook. But probably not going to happen. Where else? New England? Yeah, you got Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. It seems like anywhere he goes, it muddles up a situation. This is barring injury, of course, but muddles up a situation and makes it a committee for fantasy football. The only one when I was looking at it, like I wouldn't mind seeing him in Denver. I know when we look at that running back group, then it's like, okay, well, this was finally Javante Williams' chance. And you brought in Sam Pirine. So you even have a committee situation there. I think that might be a decent landing spot, but it is just muddied. Plus you have Ezekiel Elliott and Kareem Hunt still floating around out there. So that's the world for running backs, man. And that's why when we talk fantasy football this year, we're going wide receiver first overall, maybe first two. We could go Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and then work in a Christian McCaffrey or, you know, a Derrick Henry, maybe a Tony Pollard. Who knows? And people say in Dallas Cowboys, Dalvin Cook, he's not going to Dallas because unless it's a sweetheart deal, because they just got rid of a veteran running back. Why would they want to bring in another aging, expensive running back? Doesn't make any sense. So that's going to be very interesting as we head into the summer. What moves, what goes on in the fantasy football world? Well, that was great. Hey, the Browns are going on summer vacation now. Hopefully everyone stays well and stays uh, healthy and out of trouble. And then we'll, uh, you know, we'll get into training camp and see how that progresses. So thank you very much to Matt Fontana. Any fantasy football questions, folks, or sports betting questions, just use hashtag AskAndy on Twitter at AndyMC81, at SickPodBrowns on Instagram at AndyMCSports. Click the subscribe button. We love that. Leave a comment. Who's your first overall fantasy football pick? What do you think of the Browns coming out of minicamp? Let me know. Love to interact with you. And until next time, you've been watching the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara. Go Browns! And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Andy McNamara on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.